0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of On A Journey with WeWork. I'm Vineet Singh, and we've been talking about the journey of creating unique experiences and businesses that have defined the Indian consumer of today. Please welcome our guest for today, one of India's leading style icons and fashion entrepreneur, Purnia Qureshi. She started her career with global fashion publications in New York and Delhi before launching Purnia's pop-up shop in 2012. India's first luxury fashion e-commerce website which now partners with 500 designers and delivers worldwide. For a latest venture, Purnia has launched Good Organics, a 100% sustainable clothing line which produces premium garments stemming from forest-friendly fibers. In today's episode, we'll talk about Purnia's journey, her love for the Kuchipudi dance form and how she's found a creative balance in her career. Ponya, starting off, the biggest question, how's the lockdown and the and the pandemic treating you? How has that in any way made you make some changes to the business and how you're running the entire piece for yourself?
1: So I've been going through phases, as I'm sure everybody else has. I started off extremely motivated and excited and I was very, very productive. Then I went through a really bad lull and I was feeling demotivated and Now I feel better. I think I'm at a good, like happy medium now where I'm being productive, but I'm also like taking time out and I'm kind of getting used to this as the new normal. So I think I'm in a good place now. In terms of work, the lockdown has given me an opportunity to really think about what I was doing. I started an organic, sustainable label called Good last year. So before the pandemic started and I realized during the pandemic the relevance of doing something like that because now it's become trendy and everybody wants to jump on the sustainable bandwagon. And I'm happy. I mean, if it's become a trend, it's good because it's only leading everyone to a more positive direction. For all of us to put ethical practices into our business is a good idea. But I'm really glad that I started it before the curve, before it became a trend. My summer collection sold well because it's really comfortable. All the fabrics come from the environment and they're made from like aloe vera or eucalyptus. So for people sitting at home, it's a very nice collection to chill in, you know, and and still look good. So I think things have been good. And now I'm just looking up to do more and uh, expand and, you know, and do other things as well. So overall, it's good and I have no complaints.
0: That's nice. Talking about gur, if my research is correct, you're using organic fibers like banana, rose, aloe vera, you mentioned even milk, right? That's kind of unheard of. Pretty interesting choices. And how did you zero in on that, right? When we talk about organic or sustainable, I understand the whole concept of more natural products, but this is like way into complete nature. So do you want to talk to us about that, please?
1: So when I decided that I wanted to make a label and I wanted to do something in fashion for fashion, which is in the positive direction for the environment, I started experimenting with fabrics and seeing that what works and what's nice. And actually, to be honest, a lot of these environmental fabrics like eucalyptus and aloe vera and even milk, you'll be surprised how premium they are in terms of touch and feel. I mean, they literally feel like malai on your skin. They feel so good, you know, and they are a little expensive compared to your regular cotton because obviously there are measures being taken to develop these, which are not harmful, no pollutants used. So they are a little expensive, but they're worth every rupee. Once you feel it on your skin, you'll never want to go back to normal fabric. That's how amazing it was. And I think I was so impressed by the way they feel first. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to use this and I have to use that because it feels so good on the skin. And then from there, we took it to, "Okay, then what designs and what can the collection look like? And then we took it from there. But they just feel so good. And I also realized that so many people have skin issues or have sensitive skin. And for anybody, especially in Indian summers and monsoons, skin goes through a really hard time. You know, a lot of people's skin. So these kind of fabrics are perfect for the Indian climate.
0: Tell me how did you land up at these unconventional sources if if I make all them right
1: Yeah it's actually really simple like you can just do research online on Google it's really simple you research natural fibers you you research fabrics made from natural fibers india has a few people who make and sell them right and you place your orders it's actually quite simple but i mean unfortunately it's not as cheap as i wish it was <laughs> it's it's, <laughs> it's a little bit expensive compared to the normal cotton
0: you get, but it's worth it. Nice. It's worth it. Speaking of sustainable fashion, there's a lot of times when the word organic or natural comes into a product, the word expensive is tagged along with it. And it's because of the fact that there's a lot of effort that goes in, in sourcing, researching, like you mentioned, and putting things together. My question to you is, where do you think this whole sustainable fashion sector going, especially in India? And do you think once this becomes mainstream, if it does, the costs obviously will start getting quite lower as compared to what they are currently.
1: Yes, I I agree with you. This is exactly what's going to happen. Like I said, during the pandemic, a lot of people's eyes have opened and they have realized that the fashion industry was an extremely polluting and wasteful industry. And there have to be measures that have to be taken. And although there were some people Championing that cause before the pandemic, I think more and more people have joined this bandwagon and it's become trendy. And I'm really glad that it's finally to be environmentally like safe and, um, and to preserve has finally become trendy. You know, I'm so glad for that because now. People who don't even care for it are joining this bandwagon because they want to be on trend. So many times this works against us, but in this instance, being trendy is working really for the sustainability movement. And yes, I do feel that the more the people who are getting into it, more the practices will become normalized, fabrics will become more available, and hence the price will eventually go down. And I think that's good. And I do think that for slow fashion for fashion that is ethical, for fashion that is long-lasting, it is okay to pay a slightly higher premium. And I think this is what we've learned, that over the pandemic, that fast fashion is dangerous. You know, it's wasteful. You're wearing something twice from these high street brands, which have no measures when they're making their clothing, and then you have to throw it because it doesn't last, because they're bad quality. You'd rather invest in something which is good quality, and it lasts you for a lifetime. I have so many pieces of clothing which were made well, by masters who my mom ha- had bought like 30 years ago and I still wear it today and that's the whole idea you should recycle reuse or if you're buying new then try and buy sustainable
0: that's amazing and also if you look at it in taking a cue from what you said clothes have lasted so long that 30 years ago your mom got it made do you think organic and sustainability was pretty much core into our system about 30-35 years back and then it got lost and then it's making a comeback again
1: I think you know with india because obviously i mean maybe i'm biased but i feel like indians and india had the most brilliant minds from the beginning of time you know and if you go into history you'll see a lot of inventions were from india and um cotton hand loom it all comes from india our heritage of embroidery and of workmanship, I mean, it is something which we have had for generations, for hundreds and thousands of years, which we've developed. So we were actually the masters of slow fashion. We were the masters of organic fashion, of of making quality garments that last from generations to generations. I mean, I wear my nani's dupattas, which are probably 60, 70 years old, you know. So we were the masters of this. And I think the problem is that what has happened is, maybe because of the British Raj uh, colonization. And then after that, we started looking to the West and we were brainwashed to believe that whatever is happening in the West is, is correct and we have to look at them. And we started following this whole fast fashion, wasteful trend when it came to our fashion and our industry, that was a mistake because now even the West has learned that, okay, they need to slow down. They have to look back. And world over, this is becoming a trend that you need to really invest in slow fashion now. So yeah, I think Indians were following the West and like world over, it's becoming something which everybody's thinking about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I also feel that the whole quick urbanization, you know, everyone moving at such fast pace and, you know, globe borders opening up, people traveling across, they get fascinated so much with fast fashion, as you as you would call it then people start adopting that a lot more quickly, forgetting the fact that there's some really quality organic products that, you know, could go a long way. Great insight, Purniam. Tell me something. You started off the first e-com platform about what, eight years ago? Yeah. And if I'm right, this is the time when internet was just kicking in. Kicking in as in, you know, people using it a lot more, shopping a lot more. How did you manage? Okay. So I'll tell you why I'm asking you this question. It took, the flip cards and the mintras of the world ears to get this whole adoption piece in place, right? The whole internet adoption. I know you were catering to a different segment of the audience, but at that point of time, first question is going to be, were they comfortable buying online?
1: So I think if I may say, so the smart thing I did was as soon as I started from the very beginning, we shipped worldwide. So a lot of my customers from the beginning came from the U S who are very comfortable shopping online and have been doing it for generations. So because of that, I had sales and I had business from the beginning. Right Now, as far as the Indian domestic customers were concerned, I was very lucky that I started right after Mintra and Flipkart uh, launched. Yes, And Mintra and Flipkart were investing heavily in advertising. That's not a word, in advertising. <laughs> they were investing heavily and they were doing TV ads. And they were actually teaching clients what online shopping is, A. And B, they were teaching them literally step-by-step step how to do it. Like you go on your laptop, you open it, you type in. I mean, They were actually educating the Indian customer. And I just piggybacked off them. I was so lucky because obviously I had no advertising budget, but because they were doing it and they were educating customers on how to shop online, my Indian clients were able to learn like that. I mean, you, you log on to one shop, logging on to another shop is the same thing.
0: That's a pretty smart move. Right? How many on- entrepreneurs are comfortable going out and giving the credit?
1: Well, it's true.
0: No, I, I totally get it. I mean, I remember I was working at, at an online company at that point of time. And I remember the fact that a lot of marketing or advertising dollars were spent on the fact to teach people how internet is safe, shopping is safe, you know, how it, it, it gets ease to life. So I think kudos to you for um, connecting that with your brand and getting your products out. You've also pioneered this whole concept of partnering with different people and giving them a platform. I mean, that's what a pop-up shop is exactly, right? I mean, that's not something that usually happens, used to happen earlier, like eight years or five years back. Now, obviously, we see a lot of pop-up exhibitions, you have pop-up online stores, but yours was the first of its kind pop-up online store. You also gave a lot of Indian designers and Indian players a chance to be listed on the whole pop-up store so you were in this whole make in india team already like eight years back so you are one of the pioneers
1: thank you for saying that but it was a deliberate move from the very beginning my concept was supporting indian talent because i had already worked in the indian fashion industry i think for a year or two years before i started this and i realized my eyes were open to the amount of talent who just has no platform to sell right and i was like you know we have so much talent and. It should be sold worldwide to people all over the world. And my idea was always to sell Indian brands. That was the ethos of the brand when I began it. And um, I always wanted to support local Indian talent. And that was my way of being patriotic, of giving back to my community and to, and to Indian, Indian fashion. Over the years, I had a lot of designers approach me from outside of India even other parts of Asia who were good and said that, you know, we want to be a part of your platform, but I refused because, you know, I think every brand needs a vision and every brand needs a purpose. And my purpose was to support Indian talent. And having said that, um, what we started doing over the years was we started scouting new talent. Wow, Um, Designers who were new, who literally had, I mean, there were some designers who I, we found, who used to work in the basement of their parents' house and we We felt like they were very good. So we gave them guidance. We told them that this kind of stuff works. This kind of stuff doesn't work. We gave them marketing. We we gave them space on our homepage and on social media. We introduced them. These designers have never done Fashion Week nothing. Then finally, I have written recommendations for so many designers that I have introduced for Fashion Week Wow! so that they can finally then go and showcase their collection at Fashion Week. It was such a good feeling to nurture and to be a part of people's journeys from so early on in their careers. That's something I didn't think I would end up doing, but we evolved into that kind of a business that would give chance to new people that would nurture new talent. Some of them have gone on to become very big names, and I'm, I'm very happy and proud to be a part of their journey. So On the most part, I think a lot of it was intentional. Some of it was unintentional, but I think it worked towards the same purpose. So I was very happy about that.
0: Why a pop-up store? Was the main reason because you wanted to, you know, have the showcase?
1: I called it Kernia's pop-up because my idea was to have collections for a short period of time. Right. What pop-up essentially means is that it's a temporary space. For example, if you have a pop-up shop, you put up a shop for like a month and then you take it off, right? So everyone has that limited time to buy whatever they have to buy. I wanted the collections to be always refreshing, always rotating. If you come this month and see something, and if you come next month, it may not be there and something new will be there, you know, because online shopping is addictive. There are some people who used to log on every single day. We had an 80% of repeat customer percentage. So if people are coming back and shopping with me again and again, I have to keep showing them something new and hence the concept of pop-ups. So all the collections are just pop-ups and they you can shop it for a certain amount of time and then they go and then you shop something new.
0: Also gives a different flavor to every time a person logs in, like like you're saying. More importantly, when anyone visited your pop-up store, it was not just about shopping, right? Again, I'm going to be using the word pioneer again for you, but you pioneered the concept of experience with shopping, right? So you went out and, um, you know, created digital magazines on your website. You had a celebrity closet that was focused on celebrities. Your platform became a go-to for celebrity stylists. So you created this whole ecosystem. It was not just coming and purchasing something and leaving.
1: If you go to a nice designer boutique, they will not hard sell with you. They will not like shove clothes in your face. They will ask you to sit down, have a cup of coffee. They will show you things slowly. They will ask you if you need help. It's It's a whole experience that you go for. And my idea was that I want to create an experience for my clients. And I want to kind of also help the industry. I'm so happy that stylists used to come to check out what's new. And, you know, I mean, it it was such a helpful tool, I feel, for so many people. Celebrity closet was a term that I coined. I mean, we made it up. And um, now it's become like a thing. Everybody who's opening a website has a celebrity section. We started that. And then we also were, I want to say the first. I'm pretty sure we were the first. But I don't want anyone to sue me in case somebody else was there. But as far as I know... We were the first people to start a digital online magazine within a store in India. And that's a lot of work. So it's as good as a physical magazine, except it's online. So the the whole idea for the magazine was to have content, interesting content about fashion, which could interlink the clothing that I'm selling and the accessories. So if you like something in this content, then you can actually go buy it. But you don't even have to buy it. You can just enjoy the content, you know, and that was the whole idea to really give them a nice overall, a nice wholesome experience when they log on.
0: Right. You know, what's amazing about what, what you just said is you've literally tried to replicate an offline experience yeah. and put it online and you've been successful at it. And that's amazing. Not a lot of people have been successful in getting that piece together. So kudos to you and the team for putting that together.
1: I can I tell you an advantage of having an online magazine in a store setup? is that it's it's a great marketing tool. Yeah. Everything, all the content we built, we use it for social media, then we use it for for marketing. So it, it's really hard to keep a shop relevant or to, to keep anything relevant for that matter. And when you have good content month on month with your magazine, you're able to use that content for marketing and social media. So that helped us a lot as well.
0: Right. And that that was actually my next question. How important do you think has content played a role in establishing you and and the pop-up store i know you're from what i've done my research the content is exceptional i have also heard that you put a lot of heart in it
1: i used to eat breathe and sleep this and now i feel very relaxed because <laughs> <laughs> i'm not doing it anymore but yeah it was it was i was completely involved and this is it was very important i think like i said i mean you can't just have a store and expect people to come and and visit and shop unless you don't market it right and you need content for marketing so it kind of serves two way purpose where you're getting a nice digital magazine but you're also getting content for social media and marketing so it it worked well and i think it was a good it was a good move
0: that's amazing you know one of the things that come with online or setting up anything online is data as they say data is the new oil and from what i know you've used data very beautifully from pernia's pop-up shop to go out and create Pernia Qureshi brands, you've done a lot of data research, you've used a lot of data learning that you have had from your yeah. previous venture, you've literally created something that cannot fail because of the research that you've put in. Talk to us about that.
1: You know, honestly, it's 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 less about data and research, and it's more about experience. And of course, if like a technical term for experience, I guess, is collecting data. But I think living and breathing this for six years, I don't know how many years I was, I was involved, I think six, seven years, living and breathing it every day and learning on the job and really gathering and studying the data that was coming in while I was there, that really helps you and teaches you a lot of what to do and what not to do, you know? So I think, of course, and it would be stupid not to implement those learnings into what you're doing in the future, you know? So it was just about that. And I think any entrepreneur will tell you that they have, gathered a lot from their experiences and the data they studied while they were running a business you know so it's just as simple as that
0: you obviously have a clientele based across geographies but specifically talking about India your clientele has moved from the large cities to the second set of urban cities that are coming up are you looking to go out and target to various other cities apart from the, the so called Delhi and the Bangalore's and the Bombays of the world
1: yeah I think Actually, I have a girl from Daradun who orders from me very regularly for my good Organics. So we are open to we are we, we want to target and we want customers from from all cities, B B cities, A cities in India, and of course worldwide as well. You know, so we are we're open to everyone, and we hope that there comes a time when everybody all over the place is wearing our brand. If if nothing else, at least they're aware and they're aware of of what our brand is trying to say and teach because that's also very important. The message is as important as the product, at least for
0: me. I, I agree. I agree. But are you, are you actually deploying a specific strategy to target out these cities or you're letting word of mouth work for you right now?
1: So for now, I'm not, I don't have a very, let me say ambitious strategy in place just because of the current scenario. Right. I'm taking it a little slow. I've in fact only come out with one collection so far my next i'm doing a small diwali capsule collection which is which should be out in a couple of weeks because we're such a new brand i think it's more important we establish who we are and we establish our what our ethos is first you know before i kind of step out into this very aggressive plan of acquiring customers hopefully eventually we will do that as well but i think for now i'm more interested in evolving and establishing my brand in people's minds and even to myself to be honest because it's so new i am also evolving with the brand myself so i'm in a very nascent stage right now so eventually all those factors will come into play a little later i think
0: nice before we end, a couple of questions. One of the questions that I really wanted to ask you was, you know, eight years back when you started off and now when you look back at the journey, do you think you started a little too early or you think you started right at time?
1: I think it worked because we started at the exact right time. And I think that was not planned. That was just my good luck. I was in a place m- mentally and emotionally where I wanted just to have a business of my own. I think I was too young to start a business on my own. But... I mean, it's okay. I learned on the job and I learned uh, the hard way, but I think just to my good luck, I was starting when, like I said, Mintra and Flipkart were advertising very heavily, so I could piggyback off of them. I was starting when the online business and the online sh- like shopping was still very new. So I was able to be the first player in this segment and I was really able to set industry standards for this segment and for the longest time I enjoyed the first mover advantage you know so um I really do think I hit the nail on the head at the right time but that was not planned that was just my good luck
0: I'm sure there's a lot of hard work and you're being very humble yeah, and... yeah, yeah. Of
1: course All listen people who create businesses it's so difficult and it's never easy and it's always hard work but timing has a big role to play in it and that's all that's never always in your control
0: no I I, I agree However, it, it needs a lot of guts, if I may call it, starting off uh, at such a young age, going into this completely new territory, right? And like you said, you were not the Flipkart of the Mintras that were coming with awesome amount of fundings. You wanted to go out and set up a business on this new platform that was coming up. People had just started shopping online. I, I really want to get into the details of what pushed you in taking that risk. I mean, where did that push come from?
1: As a personality, I'm not really scared of failure. I don't, yes, I'm competitive and I'm ambitious and I don't like to fail. And I, I, I try my best not to, but I take risks because I'm, I don't feel scared to publicly fail. I am not scared for people to speak about me that, oh, she did this wrong, did that. Like I'm not scared of criticism. I'm not scared of failure. I hold a very high bar for myself. I'm in competition with myself. I try and do the best to my ability and then I kind of leave it. And I've had many failures in life and that's okay. But, and then I get up and I try something else. So even with this, this business, I was like, in my mind, I knew that either it's going to be a big hit or it's going to be an absolute flop. And I was like, I'm I'm prepared for both and I have to pre- prepare myself for both. And everything you try in life doesn't work out, but some things do. And um, you, know, you just have to go with that flow, I guess. And I'm also decently good at taking opportunities that come to me decently good i don't always do but you you you, usually i'm i'm a good judge of taking the right opportunities so yeah i think i just went with the flow i'm not scared to fail and i think that requires a certain personality you know if you're the kind of person who's always very reserved and very always wants to play it safe then there's always a certain kind of work you do and for people who don't who want to take risks there's certain kind of work that they do you know so i think i'm the latter
0: and do you think because you're so awesomely talented with multiple facets Uh, i mean you're a classical dancer an actor fashion entrepreneur designer do you think that allows you to take a lot of risk? like okay if this is not working i'm good at this also i'm gonna you know blow it out of the park there
1: my husband makes fun of me because he and he's been my friend for the last eight years so he makes fun of me because he's like you just want to do everything and you do everything and I'm that jack-of-all-trades kind of person. And um, he's just like, you know, you should focus on one thing. But I think you can't change your personality, you know. I like doing multiple things. It gives me, it gives me, it like it motivates me. It gives me joy. And I like, I'm basically a creative person. Right. That's what I have realized. I'm a creative person. And within that avenue of being creative, if you give me any job to do, so whether it's in fashion or it's in music or it's in dance or it's in in, in in the world of acting, it's something that I have interest in and something that I do want to, um, and I don't hold myself back. I'm like, just because I have not done something before, if I have interest and I think I can, I have passion for it, I think I can try and I can be good at it. So I try everything. And anything that I don't find success in, I feel this urge to keep doing it until I don't get the success. So the film I did was very small and um, it didn't do like very well. But ever since then, I think it's this, I don't know what it is, this ambitious person in me that I want to prove to myself that I can do everything, you know, at least in in the areas of my interest. So I want to keep doing something or try something again and again until I don't get it and I don't prove to myself that I can do it. You know, it's just for self-satisfaction. I don't know what...
0: Do. Which which means that we're going to see you in a film soon. I
1: don't know. I don't know if anyone <laughs> going to give me a film. But, but the thing is that the wonderful thing about acting and dancing because I'm a dancer and I've been one my whole life is that age is no bar and right i have no desire to you know do something for the wrong reasons for say example to be famous or to it's for the satisfaction of the job so at 40 at 50 i can act at any age as long as i'm healthy i can dance and i'm in my 80s i mean you see vajanti mala she still performs you know i don't want to ever hold myself back because of my age or because I'm a girl or because of any factor, you know. And hopefully the only factor that will ever hold me back is is my health. And hopefully I'll stay healthy my whole life. So I don't want to ever hold myself back. So we'll see. I don't know. Maybe at the age of 60, I'll star in something. <laughs> Who knows?
0: I'm sure you Who will. Who
1: knows? I don't know. I don't really care to plan. But we'll see. Yeah.
0: I- I'm sure you will. We'll be watching out for that movie. And I'm sure you'll be amazing <laughs> at that. Do you think those attributes have built your character even... As a business person, as an entrepreneur, that attribute of never saying never of, uh, you know, going out experimenting or even keep doing what you love till the time you want to, has that helped you build that character in you as a person?
1: Most definitely. Most definitely. I would say because I've been a dancer, a classical dancer since I was like four or five years old, uh, which is very young to start. But classical dance gives you a lot of discipline. And my parents were actually really cool and quite chilled out. So I think most of my discipline came from my dance training rather than at home. And it gives you discipline to work hard. It gives you discipline to have a, like a routine. I also went to boarding school, which helped. But classical dance teaches you perseverance. Because I don't know if you've seen any Kuchipudi performances or Bharatanatyam performances, the good ones. There are a lot of work even the best dancer cannot take a break for a month and then expect to be on stage. That never happens. You have to train to be on stage, to be good, you know? So it teaches you perseverance. And these things which have been ingrained in me since a child is what I take with me, I think through everything, through relationships, through my business, it kind of carries everywhere with me. And I think, yeah, of course it does help me when I do my other work. And I think just being a passionate person I'm very passionate and I get very excited when I talk about things that I'm passionate about. And um, I, I think in all business, some amount of passion or a great amount of passion is very important. You know, what scares me the most is mediocrity. I, I, I never want to do something for the sake of it. I don't want to do it just to do it, you know? And I think being an artist, a dancer primarily, and then maybe I've acted so an actor that that gives me passion, you know, and I think that is super important in business as well.
0: Right. And also, do you think just for entrepreneurs of today, you know, when, when you're just focused on your business, doing well, selling your products, getting your brand out, do you think having a passion on the side, like dancing, or we're talking about dancing and acting because it's you right now, but like maybe, you know, horse riding or something else. Do you think that's that's a great let out also? It's needed. Like you can't just be in, in one zone all the time.
1: Is the most important thing. It is the most important thing. If you are running a business and you want to be successful, you cannot be doing it 100% of the time. Your mind and your body needs a break. The thing is, right, so I used to, my schedule in Delhi when I was with Pop-Up Shop and I was still running it, was that I would wake up in the morning, I would go for dance. I would come back, shower, eat lunch, and then go to work. So my work hours were not full day it was it was half day right. but the productivity was like a 1000%. When I used to dance and it's also it's a lot of hard work your endorphins are really going when I would come out of that class my mind was so fresh i was like ready for the day like i was I had 20 ideas you need something to give your mind refreshment to like Uh, rejuvenize it you need something so whatever it is for you it it could be golf it could be mountain climbing it could be hiking it could be everybody needs an interest or a passion and you need to do it regularly to keep yourself uh, passionate to keep yourself interested because anything you do even if you love it and you do it 100% of the time all the time you are going to get um, stagnated you know what I mean and that's that's the problem with a lot of people um, in business you know they need to Give their mind a break. And then whenever you come back, you come back so much better.
0: That's 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 great uh, advice, Pernia. At the end of it, I'm going to put you on the spot. Dancing, acting, or being an entrepreneur. What are you going to choose looking back?
1: It's very easy. I have always said dance. I have always said dance. Before I was anything else. Before I was a school student. Before I was anything in the world, I was a dancer. That, and I think... The amount of joy that gives me nothing else does. So it's if I would, if I were given a choice that I have to do one of the three, I would dance.
0: Thank you so much, a dancer at heart and an amazing entrepreneur. Thank you so much, Purnia, for being on the show. We had such an amazing time chatting with you.
1: I really, actually, really did enjoy this.
0: Time. Thanks, Purnia. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you. Bye.